Hello and welcome to the Celestial Podcast, the Doctor Who podcast hosted by Joey Morgan. Today I'm here with Jacob Licklider. Hello. I'm also here with Dylan, a.k.a. Lord Slar. Good evening, fellow Phasman shippers. <laughs> and, uh, and Mason, a.k.a. the GD256. Hello. And I will leave all their channels linked in the description below. You can go check them out. They do amazing stuff. Um, all right. Today we are discussing the uh, Big Finish main range numbers. I don't know the numbers. Are they 37 through 44? Yeah, 37 yes. through 44. Uh, these being the Sandman through Creatures of Beauty. So, uh, spoilers as always, let's jump right into it with the Sandman by, I forget the writer. Shit, who's the writer? Simon A. Forward. Oh, dear. Oh, I forgot he wrote this one, too. Huh. Well, he, he, he wrote all the Galliari ones. So <laughs> wait, there's more stories with the Galliarian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Which one? Isn't it? Uh, uh, Dreamtime, and then I think there's a short trip, right, or a companion. No, chronicle? it's a, it's, a, it's a Benny story. It's a Benny story called the Bone of Contention. Oh, fair Jesus. enough. Fuck me. I, I mean... <laughs> Do we want to start on a positive or a negative note? Because we have actually have it fifty-fifty here as far as uh, our opinions on it. Yeah. Should we say who's who, or like? Um, yeah, okay, so me and Mason are against the Sandmen, like most sane people, and uh, and Jacob and Dylan, as the psychopaths they are, like it for some reason. So, uh, well, you know like what I'm going to do, Joey, because of this opinion? I'm going to come to you in the night and steal your skin and sew it into my coat. You're going to come to me? Yeah. Yeah, nice. steal your skin and sew it into his coat. <laughs> Alright, uh, who would like to begin? <laughs> Uh, you know, I'll begin. I'll begin with a positive. All right. And and okay, I think that it um, that because of the time it was released, it's actually a really brilliant idea having um, having the sixth Doctor and a newer companion, a companion post regeneration trauma, the whole uh, basically post the perception of six, and um, where six the softer going back into having to go back into six's history where he has to be harder and more evil, because there's clearly things that we aren't being shown here, um, which I think are actually I, really, really good. Hmm. Now, I will say the story is flawed. I'm not going to... And I think one of the back half is kind of dull. It turns into just kind of dull run around. But I well, love... Yeah, episode the, four is all idea. exposition. Yeah. See, okay, so I, I could kind of, kind of agree with the one point you made about... Um, looking back at like a, a a less stable Sixth Doctor and and having him be the one that that became the Sandman, but at the same time, I think we've had this, this, this discussion before, Jacob, with Brian, saying that the whole um, the dynamic of the Doctor and Evelyn in this makes no sense because Evelyn's been traveling traveling with the Doctor for a long time now. There is almost no reason why she should like even consider, um, you know, that that he's still this horrible person. Yeah, and exactly. I, I just, yeah, I don't see the logic behind that. And Stables plays it with uh, with this sense of disbelief. That that's how she plays the role. Yeah, and it's like the Doctor doesn't deny it for the longest of times. And on top of that, it's like the Doctor. She doesn't know a lot about the Doctor. I'm sure she knows that. She's intelligent enough that she doesn't know a lot about this man's history. Mm. I, I mean, I personally found it really interesting because we often get, and I'm not really a fan of this when it's like oh the doctor's a legend a myth of like this great man who goes around saving people blah 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 blah. and i thought it was an interesting spell that to kind of maybe show 
a time where the Doctor's interference impacted in a profoundly negative way, and it kind of becomes this boogeyman for an entire race of people. And he, I felt he's kind not of, the hero here. Yeah, and I really liked how we were kind of kept in suspense for quite a long time about what was really going on, what actually happened with the Doctor. Once that kind of got revealed, the story did kind of unwind a little, um, and kind of became a bit you know, a bit less interesting. But while that mystery was there, I was thoroughly invested and really enjoyed it. I'm kind of the opposite with that. Like, it took... Like, I didn't really see it as a mystery. I just kind of saw it as they were just kind of dragging it out until the Doctor was eventually like, oh, okay, so this is what's going on. I mean, like, I can kind of see where where you guys are coming from, Jacob and Dylan, but, like... The the mystery works from the po- from the viewpoint of the Galliari. It doesn't work from literally any other viewpoint. So it, like if you just took it as like as the story that the Galliari are telling of, of this of this horrible creature called the Sandman, and it's the Doctor, that that'd be a great revelation for the audience. But we follow the Doctor and Evelyn this whole time, and we see we see we see that myth of the Sandman immediately um, taken away. It, it's demythologized almost immediately in my eyes, I think, because. Again, uh, like like you said, Jacob, like the Doctor doesn't deny it, and Evelyn does disbelieve that the Doctor can be like this. But the thing is, this is big finish we're talking about, and there's plenty of instances where we see the Doctor has a darker side or does some really questionable things. So you wouldn't necessarily put it beyond the like post-regeneration sixth Doctor for the sake of like you know some kind of interference he's doing to kind of make himself a boogeyman to scare off these people and maybe do some you know nasty things. I don't think it was entirely unbelievable. I felt that there was, you know, a genuine question about, like, what's really going on here? And I was interested. Hmm. I, I, again, I could kind of see where you're coming from, but I, th- I think a lot of that mystery is taken away almost immediately in just, this, in just the structure of the story. It, it's kind of broken right from the start, for me at least. Um, and it's especially made worse later on. When, Here's like, the thing. Again, again Here's that, the thing. That, that, that latter Jerry. half of the story does nothing for me. What's up? I, I understand. I understand where you're coming from, but perhaps you are looking at the story as someone who has already experienced the full range of Six's growth. Because remember, this was released... Um, again, I'm, part of my argument is that it doesn't work as well in retrospect, because we are now uh, well over 15 years beyond when this was originally released. This was released in, what, 2002? Uh, yeah. Yes, 2002. Yeah, 2002. Remember, we didn't have the softestness of Six. He was also, still, also he was, this this was in October. This was apparently the Halloween release. Fuck that. But go on. <laughs> the point I'm trying to make is even even the previous six and Evelyn stories, he isn't completely softened. You you don't completely get that softer six. I'd argue mm. you really don't get that until um until some stories that are coming up soon, like pirates and um and things like um what's it called i can't think project lazarus uh, but even right from the outset of war even, even, even right from the outset of evelyn's run like we see a lighter six doctor um in, in he's the right, but he has not fully become the lightest he but even he, then the I, I, I will i will argue against the point you made that like that i'm viewing it as someone who knows his full arc this is one of my first few big finish stories and not first few but like you know i listened to it fairly early on i listened to at least 200 stories since um so so like yeah i I still had a was fairly new to the six doctors redemption arc and i still didn't find it compelling personally i could definitely see this being the sixth doctor like i think that makes a lot of sense i think he's the right doctor to throw in this situation but i think the structure of the script is kind of broken 
I, I do think like the idea of the sixth doctor being this mysterious character would have worked a lot better if it was like the second or like the third evil in release. Yeah, that, yeah, I, I I mentioned that earlier. Yeah, like it, it's the the placement of it also doesn't also doesn't do the Sandman many favors, which is weird, especially in Big Finish. In, in, in Big Finish, in a line where you can tell stories completely out of order, you could have made this a Perry story and have it happen really early on uh, in their time together, or even later in Perry's timeline, and you know it would, it would still kind of work. Um, but as it is, like I, I just don't see it working in many ways. <laughs> I will say there is one part of this audio that like it took me out so much it actually made me laugh and it was the scene where the sixth doctor is like rolling back and forth on like a chair and, he, and he's literally going wee <laughs> also can we talk about one of the biggest crimes uh, that the, the production of this commits and that is uh, wasting Annika Wills like oh, it does, yeah, it, it does. <laughs> oh god I forgot she really I thought she played the role quite well yeah, I think putting her under under the voice modulation is it kind of kind of does it does kind of take away because she's she's a naturally gifted performer. Yeah, yeah, you don't. You I don't mean, look at her stuff. To, like big alien. Look at, her, yeah. look at her appearance in the Grayus and then the next life. And oh uh, yes, I love her. Uh, uh, oh shit, what's the name of the character? Um, Lady Louise Pollard. That's it. Um, yeah, I love her as, as, as Louise. So good. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just I, I just don't think think she has much to offer to this already dull story. She could have offered a lot to the dull story, but you know, just didn't. They put her over a bunch of voice filters, made her this big, big alien, and it just didn't work for for her. Uh, <laughs> they could have made her the big alien. Performer. They just could have dialed back the voice filters a bit, and you would. That yeah, that's true. That's true. All right. So I guess that about does it for the Sandman. Uh, let's give our ratings out of 10. I'm going to give it a, I don't entirely hate it. It's below average. I'm going to give it a four out of 10. Uh, Dylan? Uh, Tom between a six or a seven. Okay. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Well, no, it doesn't matter. I mean, if I don't have to make a decision, thanks for bailing me out. Go on, no, 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 go ahead. Make your point. Make your point. I didn't. I didn't really have a point. <laughs> I was <laughs> oh, like, do I give it a six or a seven? I don't know. I'm going to be the happy medium. I'll give it a six and a half. All right, and uh, Mason. I'll, I'll 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 do the same as you, Joey. I'll give it a four. All right, sounds good. Let's move on to the Church and the Crown by Kevin Scott and Mark Wright. Who would Two like to begin? Excellent writers, might I add. Oh, definitely, definitely. Who would like to begin? Uh, who should begin? Anyone? I don't really have an awful lot to say because I haven't heard it in quite a long time. I do remember okay. like I'll I'll start, I guess. Um, this is a really, really good pure historical. Like this is I think this is maybe Scott and Wright's most underrated script. Like, in that no one talks about this one. Like, may, I mean, I mean, and, you can see why, you know, given given their their pantheon of, of Doctor Who stories, yeah. you know, there 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 are ones that reasonably stand out more. Um, but yeah, I, I love this they one. They wrote some amazing Blake Seven oh, as yeah, well. This, this one's really good. Oh, really? Yeah, they're, they're they're probably my favorite of the big finish Blake Seven writers. I really do need to get into Blake Seven, don't I? Oh, watch it! It's great. Oh, Come on, there's is it still four on, stories. Is it still on YouTube? I think they took it down. Oh fuck! Sorry, go on. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it's 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 very much out of their wheelhouse writing a just well not I mean not entirely out of the wheelhouse at least a little bit out of the wheelhouse in writing a pure historical 
that isn't oh, like yeah. some some big gritty thriller like all of their other who releases at least are pretty much uh uh, sort of gritty thrillers in some way, um, and you and usually hard sci-fi. I don't think they 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 usually do historical, do they? No, they don't. They usually they usually do they do usually do high, uh, just hard sci-fi. But there's like there's a love of the period here. Um, Definitely, it's. I mean, it's Doctor Who does the Three Musketeers, but like it it it's like here's everything wrong with the Three Musketeers and historically inaccurate in a Doctor <laughs> Who story. Now this is what, chronologically only the second right. RMM story, right? It's 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 the second RMM story. It's the it second is. one released overall. Yeah, yeah. Wait, yeah. that's only uh, the second one. Yeah, yeah it's quite a long time after Eye of the Scorpion. It is. Yeah, it, it is. And then, well, and then remember, she wasn't shortly after. she wasn't meant to be a companion. Mm. wasn't wait, meant to be a wait, companion. Really? Yeah, no, they aware. decided she was just going to be a guest character, but then they decided last minute, hey, let's make her a companion. Huh. I well, mean, that makes way, sense. Blade 7 is still on YouTube, I checked. Oh, nice. Excellent. I will give that a look. And anyway, I recommend like... that all viewers. It's like, you know, basically been by the same people as Doctor Who. So mm. This is also one of my favorite, um, one of my favorite weird, weird, weirdly common historical tropes in Doctor Who, and that is the doppelganger story of yes. of the Doctor with another historical figure. <laughs> I think this is yes. one of the best ones of them, honestly. I'll agree. Yeah, yeah I, I probably, think it probably is one of the one of the best best ones with that idea. I also love this is the one where Aramem breaks a dude's arm. Oh yeah, oh, I forgot. Well, I thought it was the Kingmaker. Or does she do it in both? She might do it in both. I get them kind of confused. No, in the, the in the Kingmaker is like when um Perry, is it polite for a man to touch somebody's bum in this time? And everybody's like, no. And then she just breaks the guy's arm who's touched her up. There's the, love Aramem. Aramem is just one of those one of those com- companions. Um, this also has uh, what's it? What's his name? Blind Maurice. Alms for a leper. No, no. The, oh the yeah, I remember him. That was quite funny. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, like, and and you have. You have the king being just like just like Louis being just as like pompous and and arrogant. Um, there's just, there's just a lot. Louis to being like. a really fun character. <laughs> he was. He really is. Um, it's 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 just one of those stories that you no one talks about, but there's a lot to love here. Um, oh yeah, yeah. And I, I mean, most of all, like at the end of the day, like. One of the best things it does is, is, is for a pure historical is it's really fun too. Like yeah. it, it can be very easy to just write a pure historical, basically writing out a textbook, and you know, and nobody has a fun time with it. But no, it, it's a really fun story. It's one where history changes, but and the doctor just sort of gaslights it, like, mm, well, you know, according to the sure that this is what actually happened, but according to the books, it still went like history. So we're fine. <laughs> he just yeah, kind of fucking brushes it, it off. Very much in the vein of like the Romans and the myth makers, which I'm a fan of. I do quite like the, just, you know, just kind of more lighthearted. Uh, you know, I, I, I do enjoy the kind of more lighthearted pure historicals uh, on occasion. It is a shame though that, that like for for Aramem's second story, she just take a bit more of a back seat. Because I wonder, because I wonder if this was originally written just as a as a Fifth Doctor and Perry story, I and Aramem had to be added. I, I wouldn't be surprised. I, and like, it, it, there had to be a lot of script rewarking before they actually got around to recording it. Hence, why it's so late. And would it be more well, interesting to take something like Aramem? On the Big Finish website, she's like, 
on the big Finn's website, she's like cast right near the bottom. Like, yeah, yeah, she's like what she like second or third or last. Yeah, I remember she, that. She, I she doesn't it was get really weird. She doesn't get top billing because she wasn't meant to be a companion. Yeah, yeah, really weird though because yeah. she's a great character. Um, it's just, it's just, it's just a lot. It's just fun. It's fun. Yeah, yeah, it's great. Sometimes, right. um, oh, sorry, go ahead. And sometimes you need fun. Yeah, Mason, did you have anything else to add on this? Um, not really. I think I think most of the things I, I was going to say have, have already been said. So yeah, all right, it's, it's pretty good. Sounds... All right, so uh, let's give ratings out of ten for the Church and the Crown, Jacob. Um, eight and a half because I don't want to give it a nine, but I also think an eight is too harsh. Like, I think it's a, I think it's a bit generous to be honest. I, it's really fun, I, um, but I would give it a seven personally. Uh, okay, Ma- Mason. Yeah, I, I was also gonna give it a seven probably. And Lord Slug. I'm gonna give it one fat lady. Uh, okay. <laughs> That's an eight, by the way. Uh, uh, ah, okay, I see. It's bingo, right. bingo. I'm down with the old people. I'm a boomer in disguise. <laughs> Fucking hell. Down with all these boomers. Speaking of boomers, ah, be- and we'll talk about Bang Bang a Boom now by... Oh, 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 I forgot. oh no, I forgot who this was written by. All right, Garrett, we got Gareth Roberts. Roberts but no, 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 it's only written by Clayton Hickman. There was no <laughs> other writers involved. <laughs> yeah, it's written by Clayton Hickman. <laughs> yes, yes. Bang Bang a Boom by Gareth Roberts and Clayton Hickman. Uh, who would like to begin? Can I start? This I'm one? so glad Brian's not here. Well, yeah. Why does he hate this story? It's so much fun. A lot of people hate it, actually, and I've always found that really odd. It's, it's just got kind Patricia of... Quinn in it. It's got it's Patricia just... Quinn. Tell, tell me, tell me, we're talking about a universally hated main range, and we have four panel guests that all fucking love it. Oh yeah, it's <laughs> yeah. so great. It's just a stupid Eurovision parody in space. I mean, plus Star Trek. What more do you want? Uh, also, also, there's, there are there there are so many um uh, continuity errors just in the script. Like uh, Dr. Eleanor Harcourt, they refer to her by like six different names. Like, oh really? I never noticed yeah, that. And it's a joke. <laughs> like Helena, um, Dr. Harcourt. Um, it feels like the spiritual successor to the One Doctor in the way that it's just completely subverting Doctor Who's name. I, I will say, it's not as good as The One Doctor. Oh, no. no. Oh, no, it's not. I mean, the One, I, I, the one Doctor is a hard act to follow, but... I mean, I mean, it's sort of like... I mean, Jacob, it kind of feels, I guess, in that regard, like the Dave Stone trilogy. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Like, yeah, like yeah. it's not it's not so much like a direct sequel, but, like, yeah, it's spiritually, oh, yeah. like, yeah, it's, 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 it's got the exact same yeah. feel. Well, it's just about subverting Doctor Who and just taking the piss for two hours, which is... I mean, do, did you guys know what... Yeah. I mean, he has a character whose name... Is specifically an anagram of a vagina. Like, like <laughs> wait a second, are you fucking serious? Yes. Oh That's shit! Quinn's character. <laughs> oh wait. What's her name? Queen Queen Angvia. A N G V I A. We arrange the letters. I never We need a Doctor Who story where every side character's name is an anagram of a sexual organ. Oh, I would love that. That's and how great. great is the cast of this story? Like, the cast is having such a great time with this one. Oh, you have... You have, yeah. you have you, and Bonnie Langford. Oh, and the fake-out ending. Oh, and, and just the I, Oh, yes, I was just about to bring that up. I fucking love the fake-out <laughs> So good. So it's like, I, and it would be Mel would be like, wait a minute. Excuse me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> 
I think I think these season twenty four type stories have really thrived on audio. Yeah, and I, well, I mean, and, and, I, and I can't quite explain why. Like, like it's because it season twenty four, season twenty four is, is told you need to have so much humor, but you also need to be dramatic. Whereas on audio, it's like we can just take the piss. Yeah, yeah, we can we can yeah, fully I mean, embrace. I, mean, I, mean, I do like I do like Paradise Towers and Dragonfire personally. You know, for all their, their yeah, camp yes, goodness. but um, but I mean, Dragonfire, like you know, it, also featuring one Patricia Quinn. Although you say oh, that, oh that's um, right! Oh shit! Yeah, sorry. Season twenty four has worked quite well on audio. I mean, it hasn't a few like this one, especially early main range. But most of the kind of season twenty four style Mel and Ace ones are pretty shit. Mm, I have heard those. I actually quite like a lot of the Mel and Ace ones. I've, I've only heard Life of Crime, but I, I wasn't a big fan of that one. I like Life of Crime. I like um, Silurian Candidate. Ooh, did you ever hear the Blood Furnace? That one's really good. I've not. No. Blood, no. The Blood Furnace is great. Um, oh, and Graham Garden's in this. Graham Garden's in this uh, as the Mac professor who dies, like, early in part one. Ha- have we mentioned the, the continuity announcer who is who is absolutely taking the piss? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay, oh, wait, oh, wait. Are, are you saying that just <laughs> that just he is taking the piss? <laughs> I mean, everyone's taking the piss just a little bit. But... Oh, oh and that opening scene with all the alarms going off. Um, the idea of seeing oh, Dravins. Oh yeah, I forgot the Dravins are in this. The Ice Warriors are in this. Um, there's a Packar in this. That's true. That is true. Gang is all here. <laughs> and yeah. honestly, I love I love the twist of oh, this has been the peace conference all along. It's like <laughs> it's like what what? Excuse me. Love it. Oh, I forgot Barnaby Edwards is in this. Yeah, he's in it for like two minutes. Yeah. Fun stuff. I think, didn't he also direct this? Uh, yeah. No, Nicholas Pig did. Oh, different, different. I was expecting a Gary Russell. Uh, Although although Clayton Hickman did the art for this one. Respectable, respectable. Which was really good, I think. And he is the only one who wrote this. (laughs) <laughs> oh fuck off! Well, actually, actually, I'm on the Big Finish website right now. If you're on Bang Bang a Boom, you get a bunch of uh, Gareth Roberts stories recommended below it. <laughs> so, I mean, I mean, I mean, luckily they're all the novel adaptations and the One Doctor, so they're the actually good ones. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, for, we didn't write like any bad the only good for... things. You know. yeah. Also, well, this is I, the I, first. No, sorry, go ahead. Sorry, no, go ahead. No, I, I was just. Uh, I was going first... to praise more Gareth Roberts stories, but then I decided not to. Go ahead, Mason. <laughs> this is the first audio that has like the actually correct theme tune. It does. It, it, it is. Does. It does. Finally, fucking finally. Except like, did they have the license or something early on? No, they had the license. That was, I think, that was literally just a Gary Russell was like, do the iconic theme. No, that doesn't feel like a Gary Russell decision. <laughs> well, it was someone's decision, just use the iconic. It might have been the BBC's. Theme. It might have been the BBC's insistence. No, because because with the re-release of Spare Parts on vinyl, they could use the actual theme. Yeah, they, and they still didn't change it for Spare Parts, right? For the, for the vinyl release? I think they did for the vinyl release. Oh, did they, finally? I, I don't know. I, I didn't... I, I don't own it. I seem to remember somebody talking about it one time, and I, and I don't remember if... Uh, they said that they changed it or if they didn't. I can't Why remember. wouldn't you want the sexy sound and Davis and theme tune though? Right? Oh, so good. Anyway. Why wouldn't you want the amazing Sylvester McCoy theme? I fucking love the McCoy theme. Why does nobody like the McCoy theme? I don't know. It's, it's, it's alright. 
I love it. As do I. Dumb the right. there, there's there's one more thing that like the funniest part of this whole thing is when the alien like seduces the doctor. Oh yeah, yeah. Yes. that's great. Love that. <laughs> and he's like, Here's the I, thing. I, it's Patricia Quinn. It's Patricia Quinn. So I can't I can only just imagine her character from Rocky Horror doing this to Sylvester. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. <laughs> Look, there, there are many oh. things I would never do. I was about to do one of them. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, and Nikki Newman, Nikki Newman, the pop star, who's just like, yes. you don't know who I am. This is amazing. Oh my gosh! Like Mel accidentally seduces him to like get him off the stage so the doctor can perform his spoons. Yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, I guess let's give ratings out of ten for Bang Bang a Boom uh, and uh, uh, Mason. Let's go with Mason. Well. Honestly, I'm gonna give it a nine. I really like this one. Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't go that far, but I give it an eight. Uh, Jake? Yeah, I- I'm gonna agree with Joey. Give it an eight. Because if you hate this one, you don't like fun. True. And Dylan. Seven. What? That's fair. Did you say seven? Oh, I think okay. he's saying seven. But I think he's saying it. seven. All right. Um. <laughs> God damn it. So, gentlemen, right. we need to keep it in our pants for this next one. <laughs> uh, yeah, of course, yes, naturally. P- p- to, to businessmen, uh, let's talk about a uh, jubilee by uh, by one. Uh, let's see, what is his name? Robert Robert Sherman. Robert Sherman. Robert Sherman. My favorite. Oh, Rob Sherman. Can someone tweet this video at Rob Sherman and just, 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 just... <laughs> with just the time code? Just the time code. <laughs> No, no, tell him to listen to the whole thing. <laughs> Robert Sherman. All right, uh, let's let's talk about Jubilee. Who would like to begin? Can I start this one? By all means. I'm going to be very, very nice and respectable, and I'm going to be a very professional person talking about this audio that is really, really fucking great. Okay, so. So this audio. Um, Mason, as you opened that, I was afraid you were going to be the edgy contrarian who doesn't oh, like God, Jubilee. So oh, no, right. I love this. Oh, no, this, this is amazing. I love this one. But uh, a lot of people say that, like, this is where Dalek came from. And, yeah, there's, like, a similar, like, opening hook. But beyond that, they are very different stories. This is a completely different story looking at, like, one, looking at, like, how one Dalek can do so much damage. And then, two, looking at how we as a society are really, like, how we react at the end of really traumatic events. And how we really, like, take really serious events and we kind of just treat it with humor. And we treat it Which, with like a, hey, we can defeat these easily. We'll, we'll we'll save this Dalek and we'll kill it for a show of our power, even though we probably should be killing it now. We, yeah. We've turned the Nazis into a piss tank. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's society, that society, that story, and, it's and it so shows the, the, um, the really harsh possibilities that kind of turning something that bad into a joke can do. Like, uh, you can become more like them. Yeah, I mean, this was know. written, this had to be written, this had to be written, like, and commissioned pretty close after 9-11, like... Yeah, exactly. Oh, that's like, true. That, that is, that is, that is so clearly what, what he's going with. I mean, I hate to say it, Martin Actually, oh, actually wait, hang on. If, if anybody listened to Stu Bagpole's video talking to Rob Sherman, he said he wrote this, like, in, like, a week, a two or, uh, one or two week long break, uh, from writing Born and Bread. <laughs> Oh, really? So he just wants to write something really nasty. Yeah, yeah. But I think it's also a commentary on England and the way we kind of treat 
the Nazis in, in terms of like you know something from our history kind of you know um, maybe it's not so much the case now but it, you know it used to just kind of be I mean it still is to, to an extent like people just kind of take the piss out of Nazis you know take the piss out of Germany you know two world wars and one world cup chance at football matches and stuff like that meanwhile there's kind of a mm-hmm a dark underbelly to British politics, which isn't that, uh, you know, unreminiscent of the Nazis. And then you've got this story, which is kind of shown with the Daleks, which obviously are meant to be fascists. And it's like kind of showing, you know, they're like, oh, we beat the Daleks easy. We're better than the Daleks. We're going to, you know, laugh about the Daleks. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Meanwhile, they're just basically Daleks. Uh, well, and there's also so much about, like, the revisionist history of, like, yeah. forming our heroes to a specific cultural model of a hero, like, Early on, it's it's so the doctor wearing his coat is is such a powerful sort of thing. What what Sherman does with it, like it's like it's like it's it scares Rochester. Like it's the man is just like okay, my power is now threatened because you know that our hero actually wore a coat and Evelyn was an older lady. And I think like, that is really still further goes back to the kind of Britain and World War Two kind of comment because. It seems to be in the popular mind, be like, you know, this small island stood its own against the forces of tyranny when, you know, it was a massive empire built on blood. I mean, <laughs> that I mean, fought the I mean Martin Jarvis's character is, is like, he's convinced himself of this delusion that he's somehow a good person. Um, and he's just doing these horrible, like, mutilations. Uh, uh, oppression of women and probably minorities. I mean, it's it's, it's that, almost, get brought up. again. When, it is like that's what it is. And Britain's just desperately trying to convince us that oh, you know, our, our history. We were the good guy. We were the good guy. We were the good guy. And it's just insane. But and I mean, I, I you kind of get that with Dalek a little bit, but not at all. Like, but not like you get like the hints of it, but it's never it's never expanded on because. Let's be honest. This is just a better story than Dalek. Like, mm, yes, I'd say so. Yeah, yeah, it's better than Dalek. I, 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 mean, I do prefer Dalek ever so slightly, but yeah, they're like neck and neck. No, the, the, I mean, I just love the subtext in the story about how it's a commentary on um, how Britain sees itself and its past and re- relating to World War Two and the Empire. As I think it's just it, a really well, interesting can look can at we that gush about Rosalind Eyre, Rosalind Eyre's character. Um, as 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 Miriam Rochester. Oh, the, yeah, she's uh, great. She gives this. She you, she you you listen to the last like the first half of the story, and she is, and you can kind of tell something is up with her, but you can't quite pin your finger on it. And then once she gets evil and alone, like in in uh, it, it's like early in part three, um, it then it then really really hits you, um, like just it just hits you hard. Like that, she is just as fucked up as her husband. Like that's what I love about this story. Just how messed up everybody is. It's just like she, you know, has the ability to like lead a coup, uh, and the reason she's doing it is because she doesn't feel like she's being dominated hard enough by her husband and wants him to be replaced with somebody who will dominate it. And that's just how messed up the culture is at this point in time. Oh, it's terrifying, but it's brilliant. And oh, and, and the hints about like. Who they keep upstairs, who they keep upstairs in the wheelchair. And it's so. Obviously, we're spoiling this because this is over 15 years old. And if yeah. you haven't listened oh, yeah. to it, go do it. Why are you it's watching on this video? Spotify. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, like, they hint so hard that it's going to be Davros. It's going to be Davros. Then you get that twist of, oh, fuck. 
It's the doctor. Yeah, well, his legs cut off. So Because he kept trying to run. <laughs> That's just such a beautiful Rob Sherman line. Like, just... <laughs> Prisoners tried to run away, just saw off his legs. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's so Rob I love how dark it is. Oh, what about the, like, there's so many great, like, just, just really nasty scenes, like the one where the midgets are getting forced into the Dalek. Yeah, and then... Yes, yeah. yes, oh, I love that one. And it's pretty much so Martin Jarvis' character can play like he's the hero. And he's so clearly not the hero. Yeah. So, right, anyway, so yeah, I guess that about does it. Unless anyone else has anything else to add on Jubilee. All right, so let's give rings out of ten for Jubilee, Dylan. Well, I've got to give this a ten because it's just a really great Doctor Who story with brilliant subtext and just a brilliant, just kind of um, socio-political commentary on top of just being a absolutely flawless Doctor Who story. So, what more can you ask for in a bit of fiction? Absolutely, I agree. I give it a ten, Jacob. Uh, yeah, a 10. 10. It's and 10. Mason. <laughs> I give it a 9. No, no, I'm joking. I give it a 10. <laughs> Mason was better pull Brian. <laughs> <laughs> Brian does that all the fucking time. <laughs> Alright, so... Uh, Alright, let's talk about now. Oh, God. Um, let's... <laughs> oh, God. Do we have to... We have, have we have to. Can we just skip this one? Uh, we have to. <laughs> Let's talk about Necromantea by Austin Atkinson. Who would like to begin? Don't Come everyone jump! Don't everyone jump at once. <laughs> so what, what, what story are we talking this? about? We're talking about Necromantea. <laughs> oh, I'll start you. <laughs> Go ahead. As you're the as you're the one who's experienced the pain most yeah. recently. All right. Okay. So, who out of you was a very edgy teenager? I think probably all of us. I think I still am an edgy teenager. Remember, Mason is literally a child. Imagine if your edge was sharpened (laughs) very efficiently by just a master blacksmith. (laughs) And then you wrote some really terrible Doctor Who fan fiction. Be this. Be this fucking episode. No, no. See, here's the thing. Edgy fan fiction has merit. This doesn't. I mean, it has, like... Pointless rape scenes, uh, unnecessary, like kind of a universe which is like really dark and backstabbing. But the just the way it's written doesn't, I don't know, it just feels empty. It's dark, in, it, the most, it's dark in the most boring way. Yeah, it's so surface like, level. It's just like things are a bit nasty, but it's not actually got anything to say. It's, like, it's like very Perry's, bad. Perry's what naked for half of this story because reasons. Yeah. I like, do have one yeah. comment to pay the story because most of it is extremely, no, not extremely, excruciatingly boring and just unpleasant to listen to. But if I do have one compliment, the core idea is brilliant of a guy who's kind of got these people worshipping him to kind of keep him in a perpetual afterlife forever. It, that's a great idea. Could have been a great It's a good idea, but man, just, it's, it's, not, it's not well executed. Just, just needed it's somebody who could actually write a writer who's competent. Uh, and again, okay, and, and, and we're on a panel where three of us have read all of the Virgin New Adventures. Like, yeah. we, we are, none of us are strangers to the darkness of Doctor Who. 
Nor am I. I like really. Uh, I, I think I think this is worse than the worst of worst VNAs. Yeah, like, this, this, is what, this, this is what this is fucking bad. The, this is what someone thinks the VNAs are. <laughs> right. And well, to be, fair, to be fair, some VNAs are what people think the v, the VNAs are. Yeah, but, uh, but, uh, but this is worse. This is worse. Like the episode two cliffhanger is Aramem getting raped. And it has absolutely no impact on the character or the story. It's just there to be edgy. It's like maybe if there was some kind of substantive character impact, I could understand why you might want to in- put this in the story. But even then, it'd be a bit tasteless. As I feel that's maybe a bit yeah, the rounds of Doctor you, Who. But the fact it's done for no it. reason. But the fact it's done for no reason. Is just ridiculous, and then like this character is kind of presented as sympathetic in the rest of the story. The character who rapes her, which is like, yeah, yeah makes no sense. Like, he's just, are you, are you a rape apologist? <laughs> you, you can't just do that. Like, and I don't think this guy's written for anything. Well, I, I love no, the story. No, I love the story behind yeah. this because it. Austin Atkins said, <laughs> I think he never wrote like for Big Finish again because Peter Davison said he would only keep acting for Big Finish if this guy never wrote another, another story. <laughs> You're not Peter Davison. Peter fucking Davison. He saved us all from another shit story. All oh hail God. Davison. <laughs> I mean, not gonna lie, this is probably the worst big finish I've ever listened to. It, it, oh, yeah. Is, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah it's, it's fucking This awesome. is the worst it's thing in so their bad. canon because it's. It's so badly what? done. I hate to say it, I'm not a big fan of trigger warnings. This release deserves a trigger warning. It just everything several... just in it is so. Like, it's all really dark, and I like dark stuff, but it, it needs to have kind of substance to it. This episode has no substance to it whatsoever. It has one good idea, and everything else is just vapid, empty, and just edgy for the sake of being edgy. You know, I, I slightly off topic, but I thought Exile was going to have a trigger warning because going into it. When I first listened to Exile, because, um, you know, that whole, like, Nick Briggs thing at the beginning where he's like, oh, yeah, we actually love Sainsbury's and all that. Um, uh because I knew about like the suicide thing going into it, so I thought there was going to be a trigger warning, but instead it's just Nick Briggs being a bastard, and I love it. But yeah, back on back on this shite. Um, yeah, I agree. Probably needs a trigger warning. Um, there are a lot of really questionable things in this. Nobody's having a good time. Literally I, 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 nobody. None of, the, none of the performers seem to be enjoying this either. Like, yeah, that's what I meant. Uh, nobody, did, nobody is having a good time. <laughs> my question is, why didn't they just scrap this? Like. I, I wouldn't be surprised if it was like a last resort or something. Yeah, it's and like you could have just said, Rob Sherman, can you fart out a script in a day? It would have been a million times <laughs> better. You probably could have done it, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, come on, he, he, I mean, yeah, he wrote Jubilee in, what, two weeks? So, I mean, and he wrote yeah. Chance of Midnight in like a week and a half, was it? Yeah, yeah. He wrote Shirts on his honeymoon. Yeah. Like, just... I'm so sad. Um, <laughs> Talking about Necromantia makes me sad. Sure, so was a weird story to write on your honeymoon. <laughs> yeah, it makes sense. It makes sense given some of the, given some of the. If you listen to it, it makes perfect sense. Well, yeah, I know, but man, it's a, it, there's a very raw emotions in that story. But anyway, that's off topic. I don't know. I I, I kind of want to keep talking about Sherzo instead of this. Yeah, we can talk about Sherzo. We want to talk about Sherzo. <laughs> Wouldn't that ruin it for when you get the Sherzo in this podcast? Yeah, not really. We can talk about Shirtso for hours. Let's talk about Shirtso. I really like Shirtso. Right. Yeah, well, I've got an opinion on Shirtso. It's a better so, dark story this than this. Joey. I just, yeah. I want to connect with you. I want to meld with your lips. Thank you.
Anyway, that was killed the stone dead, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, it has. Can we just move on? Do we even have to score this? Because we're all going to score it like below. I, I, I'll, I'll give I'll give it a one. Anyone else want to give it a one or less? Yes. Oh. It gets a two for the good idea at this cent- mm, the central premise. I don't know. <laughs> no, I can't ignore a good idea where there's a good idea. Here's the thing. That's why it gets a one from me, Dylan. The if one point for... is the good idea. <laughs> oh, fine. I'll give it a one. Go on, then. <laughs> we were all gonna give it a zero, but there's a good See, idea. Like my my one point is I like the Peter Howell theme. <laughs> <laughs> remember before how I said I had one positive that's it I like the Peter Howell theme <laughs> oh, I love alright um, let's move on to The Dark Flame by Trevor Baxendale so, right, I'm just going to put my alarm clock on so I wake up after this is finished <laughs> well, uh, seriously for The Dark Flame oh fuck off I love oh, The Dark really? Flame oh it's so great Again, people hate this one for no reason. Okay, now I don't hate this one, but as there, and there is one thing I really like about it, and that's the, all the side characters and the main cast. They're all great. They've all got great dialogue. They're all humorous, interesting. Oh, that's fine. But the story itself is the most generic shit ever. I've heard it a million times before, and it's just <laughs> question, not that question, interesting. Dylan. Have you ever read a Trevor Baxendale book? <laughs> no. <laughs> So like, it's not so much that all the plots are the same. In in the books, it's kind of like the opposite effect. Like all the all the supporting characters are the exact same, and there's a kind of interesting idea behind it. Um, but in this case, I, I do I do think there's a, there's an interesting idea. Oh, it's um, just it's not... weird, evil space cult trying to bring a demon from another universe. Blah 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 blah. It's been done so many times. It's and it there's nothing really there's nothing else to the story really other than that. Benny, so... Benny, Benny, Benny is great. You a Benny, can Look. I raise you a Benny? Benny, Benny makes great. everything better. He, but he, he already complimented the good Like, the characters and the cast are great. There's no complaints there. That's what makes a story tolerable. It would be shit without that. But with it, it's just kind of a bit mediocre and a bit kind of dull at points. I also love the fake-out death with Benny. Yeah, that's quite fun. That's quite fun. Although the fact that it does take place within the VNA is kind of does ruin that. It's like, yeah, because yeah, it still takes place after all-consuming fire. Yeah, this one and uh, Shadow of the Scourge both take place after All Consuming. Yeah, I will say it does slightly annoy me that the two audio VNAs both have to do with cults. I mean, it makes it makes sense. I think Doctor Who yeah. just needs to stop doing cults. There's been too many stories with cults in. Have there been that many? Am I? Yeah. Hmm. Necromancy, well, at least yeah. in the expanded universe. Yeah, maybe he didn't help. I listened to it after Necromantia. Is that a cult in? <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, so I mean, you only heard this one recently, right, right, Dylan? Yes, the first time I heard it was a couple of days ago. Oh, cool, cool. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's fun. It, it, I, I think it's got a lot of. Uh, it feels like a VNA, which, which is one of the one of the biggest compliments I think you can give an audio. You know, recreating one of the one of the most. Which it might be why the three of us like it more than Dylan does, because Dylan doesn't. Isn't necessarily a big VNA fan. I mean, they're all right, but it's, it's a lot of it isn't my cup of tea necessarily. Uh, I'd argue there's a lot of them that I think would be your cup of tea. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, I haven't read that many. I've read a few. Read Falls of the Shadow. You'll love it. Oh, Falls! Oh, he would love Falls of the Shadow. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, yeah. So I don't know. I I I agree I, that I I agree that there are like 
that's, again, great cast. Um, cool idea behind it. It's one of Baxendale's better stories, I think. Um, I'm not the biggest fan of him as a writer. Um, but I've I heard a couple of his stories before, and I can't say I've been particularly impressed. One of his Blake Seven stories was one of the most boring things I've ever listened to, beside like the story of Extinction. Mm. Ba- basically just, oh, that's right. He did do story. This, this, this is this is a funny one for Blake Seven fans. He gives Tarrant yet another secret brother we didn't know about. <laughs> is Tarrant a character then with a bunch of secret brothers that we didn't know about? Well, he already had one in the TV show, so it's just like, oh my god, another one. <laughs> <There's> another. <laughs> that's great. Um, yeah, I mean, it, again, there's not too much to comment on here. I I, I just really like the feel of it. Um, it, it kind of it does blend a bit more into the background of some of the main ranges. I also, but yeah, I also, I know, I will say, I love, I love the guest cast too. Um, I love they got Stephen Wickham in and and they gave Joseph an origin. Hmm? Do not even do you not even do you not you guys know who Joseph is? No, no. no. So do you know the robot in the story? Yeah, yeah, he was pretty entertaining. Yeah, I liked yeah. him. Joey, remember Benny's assistant? And oh no, it isn't. Oh yes, yes. Okay. That's who that is. That's oh that shit! Is. I didn't even I didn't even put that together. I want to re-listen yeah, to this yeah. now because he then becomes he then becomes a big character in the Benny Big Finish range. Okay, cool, cool. Because I really liked him and I know it isn't, um, or at least in in the book. Um, yeah, cool. I think Joseph's also in Walking to Babylon. Um, uh, not yet. Not yet for where I'm at, at least. I'm currently reading it, so. Oh, you are okay. I haven't read it, but I, I've listened to the adaptations, so I, I don't I don't remember if he's in it because it's been a while. Um, yeah. Um, also, Toby Longworth and, and Michael Prade are both both brilliant. I. Mm. Uh, Toby Longworth has one of those voices I could listen to for hours. Oh yeah, yeah, he's great. Yeah, he's a great performance. I love the atmosphere of this one. Like, I love the sound design of everything. It just yeah, really yeah. makes it for me. I didn't find the atmosphere that great, to be honest. It's also one of the stories, a few stories directed by Jason Hay Gallery. Oh, did he direct this one? He directed oh. this one, which is... Huh. Which I think is really, really interesting. Because you can feel... It, it, makes it, it helps make it feel kind of different from some of the stuff that's surrounding it. Mainly because what the story previously following is Necromantia. Well, I mean, basically anything could follow up Necromantia. Uh, Literally roses, everything so you know. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Maybe there are two, a few TV stories that I wouldn't. That I. Mm, yeah, no, I only listen to Necromantia before I rewatch Hellbent. <laughs> You'll do a review of Hellbent after after you listen to Necromantia, giving it like, no, you know, like a I ten out of ten. I don't want to ever Hellbent again. <laughs> All right, so let's do ratings out of ten for the Dark Flame, Jacob. Uh, I'd probably give it a seven. seven. I it's will a agree. Solid story. I will, I will agree. I give it a seven. Mason, I give it a seven. And Dylan, uh, I find the plot very generic and boring, but there's nothing massively wrong with it. And I did get a fair bit of enjoyment out of it because the character interactions were quite good and fun. So either a five or a six. Fair enough. All right, so let's move on now to Doctor Who and the Pirates, or The Last That Lost a Sailor by Jacqueline Rayner. Who would oh like to no, begin? you are going to sing. <laughs> well, yes, I am. Uh, uh, oh, where's Brian? Where's uh, Brian? 
Right, uh, I'll send you like uh, five dollars PayPal, Joey, if you sing it right now. Actually, no, I can't. Be, I can't spend that money. <laughs> <laughs> Here's the thing. Here's the thing, Dylan. I I can sing Modern Major General. Oh, go on, you do it then. Give me the lyrics. Uh, give me two seconds to pull up the lyrics because this one I I don't have. I don't have. Um, oh yes, I'm going to put this podcast on our cringe after this. Let, let, let's not, and rather, let's let's uh, let's talk about Doctor Who and the Pirates. Who would like to begin? <laughs> okay, uh, pairing. I will. I, it was an also just pairing this up with the music of Gilbert and Sullivan is is genius. Like oh, definitely because okay, we can all agree that the story is in, being told to the perspective of an un, of an unreliable narrator, right? Like, yeah, we, we can all agree. Like that is. Mm-hmm. Well, he has like two peg legs. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> all clearly because Evelyn is trying. Evelyn, Evelyn does not want to process her grief, and is like, um, "Oh shoot, terrible grief." Also, now one of my students um, has terrible grief. Uh, I know it'll make this better. Here's a fun story about pirates. I think both, like, <laughs> a, a, as as a fun romp and as an epilogue to Jubilee, is is it, it works perfectly. Like, like, well, I mean, we it opens with Sally wanting to commit suicide, like. That yeah. is what the opening scene is. Which is the funniest story to have suicide as the subject material. Here's the thing, yeah. but it, do, it does it so well. Like, yeah, yeah it, it doesn't feel jarring. If Jacqueline Rader wasn't such a slick writer, like a, a topic like that wouldn't work nearly as well in, in, your, in your Doctor Who, Gilbert and Sullivan musical parody. Mm-hmm. But... Well, here's the thing, here's the thing, here's the thing. Um, there's this great quote from Terry Pratchett. Um, the opposite of funny is not serious the opposite of funny is not funny you can be funny and incredibly serious and this story does it like this story is a farce but it's also a very serious farce like in episode three whenever like the whole musical stuff is happening like yeah it's it's like 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 they're singing songs and it's kind of funny but then whenever uh her name's sally right i don't get it wrong yeah yeah wonderfully by helen goldman yeah yeah. yeah, like whenever oh. she starts singing, it, it's you take it seriously because it's obviously an emotional like thing that she's doing. Um, yeah, and 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 it does the patter songs, but it, it, and the songs that it picks for Sally are specifically really emotional ones. It took the serious arias. Um, I think it took one from uh, Mikado and Pinafore are the two songs that she gets, um, which which are. Uh, which which are more serious songs already, so that helps. Now, was this the first thing that Helen Goldwyn had ever done with Big Finish? No, she was. Um, she was the, the 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 aliens in Storm Warning. Uh, oh, okay, gotcha. I know. I think she's done other stuff before this. She's been around from Big Finish since like the beginning, yeah. which is hmm. in a bunch of different roles of of actor, writer, director. She's, you know, yeah, uh, she's, she's amazing. Uh, she's she's good and. Again, a lot of people will, a lot of people who don't get this story will just say like, oh, it was, it was, it, it's just a funny runaround and I don't like musicals. It's like, well, you don't have to like musicals to like I this. don't like musicals, but I love this because it was... Are there people that don't like this story? Yes, they exist. It's only about come across anyone songs in, hasn't it? No, it's got it's the the entire third episode has has a good number of songs. It's like six or seven. Oh, fair enough. Because you know we open with 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 you know Gallifrey and Buccaneer. There's uh, there's the parody of a policeman's lot. There's Love the I am one. so proud one. Uh, 
there's there's the songs. There's the medley of uh, there's the um, I am the captain of the pinafore thing. Then they do the um, I for he is a pirate king. Yeah. Um, um, again, and you you just you see a lot of 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 good things. Uh, and Bill Oddy is Red Jasper. And I, and I tell you what gets at the ten out of ten. The fact that episode two's cliffhanger is the Doctor about to sing. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, no, he's going to sing. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so perfect. So perfect. Um, yeah, oh, just so good, so damn good. And uh, and yeah, and and funny moments like that can be can be really well balanced with the really somber nature of of our present day stuff of Evelyn and Sally. Uh, it's and it doesn't entirely really... end on a happy note. It it ends with that. Oh no! Like yeah. Sally's Sally. There's, there's closing on that final song. It's um, is Sally coming to terms with it? But she's still grieving. Like yeah, she has not yeah. resolved the issues of her essentially her boyfriend being killed in a car accident and it kind of being her fault. Yeah, it really just ends like she won like a battle, but. Like it's still far from being over for her. Mm-hmm. Also, the pirate, the pirate theme, uh, the pirate version of the theme song at the end. Yes, I love that. <laughs> so great! I loved it. I, I, I miss when Big Finish would just play around with how they presented their story. They still kind of yeah. do that, uh, just not time. in the same way. There's way less experimentation. I, mainly, I think a lot of that's because the BBC has a, has a bigger hand in. Yeah. In yeah. what gets produced. I will say the Torchwood releases play around a bit more with their with their formats and like how they present their stories. Like the Victorian ones have like this Victorian play on the Torchwood theme, and um, you know, like, uh, like the theme will change from time to time. The the entire feel is 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 different. It's great stuff. Um, but yeah, I agree. They don't do that as much anymore. But I but you know, I appreciate it when it's there. Anyway, um, also, yeah, I guess that about. Oh, sorry. sorry I was just gonna say I love the performance of the captain of the ship that, uh, like, the pirates take over. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, Nicholas Pegg doing his complete fop. Like, is that Nicholas Pegg? It that is, is Nicholas Pegg. Pegg. Oh, it yeah. Is. I didn't know that. Yeah, no. It's everyone is is going. They go so over the top, yet they still bring it in to hit you in the emotions. Oh yeah. All right, uh, let's give ratings out of 10 for Doctor Who and the Pirates or The Last That Lost a Sailor. Uh, Dylan? It's got to be a 10 out of 10, and, you know, name another story where the subject matter is suicide and it brings you unbridled joy from start to finish. Right. Oh, so good. I also give it a 10 out of 10. Jacob? Yeah, it is is a 10. It is a 10. And Mason? Oh, God. All right. No, Um... don't. Don't give it a (laughs) 9. Don't All right, be a fine. Brian. Screw it. I'll, I'll, I'll give it a ten. I'll yes, he is susceptible to peer pressure. <laughs> like, like my, my only thing is like there are like a little bit of moments in part like four, like part two or whatever, where it slightly drags. But honestly, like in hindsight, I just don't care. Fuck it. We need to gang up on him if he isn't giving <laughs> creatures of beauty a ten. All right, so here we go. We're gonna talk about Creatures of Beauty by Nicholas Briggs. Dylan, you're the number one Creatures of Beauty stand here. Would you like to begin? All right. So. I think we all know who Nicholas Briggs is. You know, he's got a funny moustache and he loves stories. <laughs> and he's bald. <laughs> and there's one common thing about a lot of his scripts and that they're extremely safe, run-of-the-mill stories, a lot of them Dalek stories, that don't experiment too much, they don't play around too much, they don't challenge our view of Doctor Who. 
they're just sometimes cosy, sometimes boring, and on the whole, pretty standard. But somewhere deep within his being, he managed to pull out this absolute bloody classic. So it's a brilliant story that's told completely out of order. So you've already got like the massively experimental thing put off, but it's not just done out of order for no reason. It actually really helps the narrative because it, if it was just told in order, it would it would still be a good story, but it'd be fairly straightforward. Whereas it's actually really interesting. And you would you would lose you would narrative. lose the final gut, and you would, you would lose, lose the amazing twist at the end that all of the pain and suffering caused in this story was the fault of the Doctor. And that's kind of the intention of the story, to kind of make his question, is the Doctor's travel, are the Doctor's travels worth it? What kind of impact does he actually have? Do we often not see the impact that he actually has? Sometimes where you think he's just kind of been somewhere and left, what has he actually done? Has just, you know, his very presence just made something spiral out of control? Because in this one, uh, his mishandling of the TARDIS in a solar system causes a massive energy fuel to like um, leak out into the atmosphere of this undeveloped planet, basically causing a very slow genocide of these people who are just grossly disfigured. It's a nasty story. It's not very you know pleasant, but it's got a lot of say about the nature of the Doctor's travels, and it's very interesting for that reason. It also go- delves into like kind of ethics. And like, kind of, you know, potential future ethics of space travel, as well as you know, kind of, you could almost compare it contemporaneously to, um, you know, how we're polluting our own planet. But yeah, yeah. there's definitely not environmentalist and, and, and theme here. And yeah. it's a great kind of story to tell for the Fifth Doctor in particular, uh, a Doctor that we that we don't really see this this sort of side of. Not that it's a necessarily dark side, but it's a necessary side of the Doctor, and you don't. It's see a very tired side. Like he gets put through hell. And he just he just wants to leave and go take a nap. And he's just desperate, like, to get away from this. But it's almost as if he has a slight inkling at the back of his mind that he may have caused it. And he just wants to get away just so he doesn't have to think about it, just in case it was him. And it was him. Because he, 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 really, he really can't... It, it's a problem he can't fix. Like... Because there are kind of, there is another angle to kind of see the Doctor's travels and him leaving Gallifrey. Because on the one hand, it's because he was bored and he wanted to go and see the universe and make a difference. But on the other hand, it's because he doesn't want to face the responsibility. And that often is bared out in the Doctor's character, where just sometimes it's just like a quick fix here, a quick fix there. Just run around, do my thing, not really caring about the consequences. And I think that that's definitely side of the Doctor that needs to be looked at more. And I'm really glad this story did it, as it raises a lot of very interesting questions. And Sarah Sutton is is just brilliant as Nyssa here. Like, oh yeah, like no one believes her at all, and she's just like she she can't cope with that. Like she's 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 trying. She's like trying to like try doing the best she can to help these people, but she gets tortured and and kind of brainwashed. I think it, it helps the fact that, you know, she's one of the sweetest, most honest companions. Like, Nissa would never hurt a fly, ever. Uh, yet here, she's really put through the ringer and just, everybody just looks at her with suspicions like this enemy. And it's just... Oh, good one for her character. And I'm glad uh, that her character's really got the big finish treatment, especially in the early ranges, because she kind of went from mm. being a, having no character, just having character in abundance. 
Yeah, yeah. Which is weird. Like it's 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 a shame that that TV Who never delved into uh, the Fifth Doctor and it's a between Time Flight and Arc of Infinity because there there's a lot of potential here, and this is a prime example of that. There was a there's a very specific like I guess like I guess you wouldn't call it an edit, but there's like one moment in the audio that like really filled me with dread as like because when I first heard it, I had no idea what was like happening or whatever, and it was the part three cliffhanger where the story ends technically oh yeah because they leave yeah and and for some reason like and for good reason like i was just waiting like oh god what's gonna happen in this last part like i just knew some shit was gonna go down because even at the end of part three you're feeling there's that just feeling of no there hasn't been any real resolution yeah Mm -hmm. the tension is and they they do just get out of there like yeah it's and then just that, revela- that revelation is what just like really, it doesn't give you closure, but gives you all those questions that the story wants you to ask. It it's, it's a story where in, in, my, in my marathon video for it, because I did my marathon video for it, I don't want to say recently, but fairly, fairly recently, because um, I'm, I'm, I'm just nearing the end of season 20. I don't think I could do it justice because it's such an experimental thing. Um, um, and honestly, I, I just, I, I, I do love this one, um, to bits, though it's one, it's one that you maybe, you maybe you don't want to like, you don't maybe, you don't want to listen to just like, oh, I need some light entertainment. No, <laughs> no, no. Yeah, I think, I think, very, I think very little, a bit, very little of Big Finish's catalog is light entertainment, but this one even more so, Yeah. So I, know, I feel a lot of it can be light entertainment, even if it's a bit darker because it's just like a standard Doctor Who story that passes mm-hmm. the time. There are a lot yeah. of stories like that. So, weird confession though, I'm not the biggest fan of this one. I, I really like it, of course, and it, it's a great, interesting idea uh, and, it's, and a great story to tell for the Fifth Doctor and Nissa in particular, but I don't know why. I, I just had a really hard time getting into it. it, it it's it, it's great. It's not. I was about to say fun. Fun's not the word. Um, it's uh, it's great. I mean, it's 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 a really interesting listen. One of Briggs's best. But I don't know something about it. I, I I just have a hard time getting into it. I mean, it is a very experimental way of telling a story. Some people like it. Some people can't get into it, and that's fair enough. If it's not for you, because it is something very different than the norm. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it, thing... I mean, it is still good, but yeah, yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head there. Another thing I want to say, and, is and like how some of the good... other stories we have we have said on this, it's only two ninety nine. It's I'm pretty sure it's on Spotify. Go listen to it. Yeah, for free. Yeah, no, I'm... no, no, it's all right. You go. No, no, no. I said I asked what you were going to say. Go ahead. Oh right. Um, so I also wanted to just say how great all of the side characters are in this story, each of them kind of adding a richness uh, to the world building in this. And I'm just looking at the cast because I'm trying to find out um, who was the, what was the name of the, ah, yes, uh, Nigel Hastings was absolutely, oh, wait, no, sorry, no, David Dacre was absolutely brilliant in this story. He played, he played like the kind of the chief inspector. Yeah, of, uh, the, and oh, the way he just makes everybody squirm, and he just personifies the hatred. Of, well, what's funny uh, is he was he was Iron Gron in Time Warrior, so it's, yeah. it's such a different performance. Oh, seriously? Yeah. That yeah. Oh, that's oh. cool. I fucking love Iron Gron. <laughs> but it, I I just really liked how he was he so perfectly personified this um, place's anger about um, what had happened to them, but also the hopelessness and despair they have. 
where he, he just almost just doesn't care about the consequences. He just wants to get mindless revenge. And, and can we just admit how haunting that whispering of beauty is at the beginning and end of the story? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I will say, like, I think I think one of the, like, big things that, like, drew me to the story initially is I love the idea of, like, normal being the outside, like, like being the outsider. Because, like, I don't know if you guys have seen uh, The Twilight Zone. Like, mm. ha- have you guys? I've seen a couple episodes. I do want to watch more. There's, a, there's an episode, well, I'll try not to... Sp- well, I, I guess I kind of have to. I'm, I'm, I'm going to spoil, like, one episode. Sorry about that. I mean, there's, like, a billion, so whatever. That's fair. Um, th- there's an episode called Beauty is the is the Eye of the Beholder. Oh, yeah, Eye of the Beholder. Mm-hmm. Yes. Ooh, yes. Ooh, love that one. Love that and, one. And basically the whole plot is this, like, this woman has her face covered because everyone is, like, saying that she's, like, really, really ugly. But the thing is, you never see anyone else's face because they're always, like, hidden in the shadows. And then at the very end, it's revealed that her face is, like, to us, completely normal. But it's everyone else that has, like, a weird, like, a weird face. And just, like, that that twist is such an interest. Like, back then, it must have been really, like, interesting. And I think mm-hmm. that the story also does a good job at, like, capitalizing at that, like, initial, or, 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 or I guess not initial, like, that idea of different being normal to us. And how, like, we would probably, like, be seen as the outsiders in this world. And I think that's a really interesting core idea that the story has. Yeah. Yeah. Because a lot of it is, it, a lot of it, a lot of, like, the society isn't breaking down because they're dying. They're breaking down because they don't look like, like, just the aestheticness. And it's, uh, it's, it's so, it's good. Just the it's... horrific identity crisis it causes them. Yeah. For everybody to look like that. It's so like great. it's so psychologically scarring. It's you know eating away at their society. All right, so let's give readings out of ten for Creatures of Beauty. Uh, I can imagine what Dylan's is, but I'll start off with Dylan. Ten. <laughs> God damn it, um, um, Mason. I'll give it a ten too. I really like this one. Oh okay. yes, lad. Jacob. Yeah, it's a ten. Oh fuck no! You are the Brian today. <laughs> I am no fuck. I'm just uh, I'm gonna give it. I'm gonna give it a seven point five. What? Really? Okay, look, I could have dealt with an eight, but seven point five. I don't know. It's it's good. I, I I like it, but like I said, just something about it. I I can't entirely get into. All right. Uh, in Celestial Podcast uh, traditional fashion, let's give our, uh, our rankings from least favorite to favorite for all these stories. I will start, uh, of course, at the bottom. Naturally, I'm going to have Necromantea. Uh, then I'm going to have the Sandman. Then the Church of the Crown, the Dark Flame, Creatures of Beauty, Bang Bang a Boom, Jubilee, and at the top, Doctor Who, Doctor Who and the Pirates. Who would like to go next? I'll go. Mine's I think slightly different than yours. Um, all right. At the bottom, Necromantea, no surprises there. Um, uh, then what the, I thought it was going to be Jubilee. I know. Um, then the Sandman. Then the Sandman. Uh, then the Dark Flame. Then Bang Bang a Boom. Then Church and the Crown. Then Creatures of Beauty, Jubilee, and Doctor Who, and the Pirates at the top. We only differed in the middle of it there, so yeah, not yeah. too bad. Yeah. Uh, who's going to go next? I can go, go there. Okay. Go ahead. 
Well, obviously Necromantia's bottom. Uh, then the Dark Flame. Then the Sandman. Then Bang Bang a Boom. Then the Church and the Crown. Doctor Who and the Pirates. Creatures of Beauty and Jubilee. Hmm. And uh, Mazone. Mazone. All right. Mazone. Let's see. At the bottom, we have Necromantia, obviously. Then we have the Sandman, uh, the Dark Flame, the Church of the Crown, Bang Bang a Boom, Doctor Who and the Pirates, or the Last That Lost a Sailor, uh, Creatures of Beauty, and then at the top, Jubilee. Nice, nice. We uh, we didn't differ too much on that one, uh, which I kind of like. I think yeah. we, I think for all our top three, we can all agree they're ten out of ten amazing stories. Oh yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We all have the same top three. Well, I I actually have Bang Bang a Boom in my top three, but whatever. Oh, well, wait, what? What did? Oh yeah, because you didn't like Creatures of Beauty like ten. Yeah. Well, I mean, Creatures Creatures of Beauty is below Bang Bang a Boom, but I mean, you know. I mean, okay, still like, I like I enjoy Bang Bang a Boom, but I'm sorry, I cannot respect an opinion that has a Bang Bang a Boom above Creatures of Beauty. <laughs> I, <laughs> I've already explained my stance on Creatures of Beauty. It's, it's like it's good. I'm, I'm, it's I, like I, saying I this said funny good, meme I, I found on the internet is better than the Mona Lisa. <laughs> I don't know. I think I get more enjoyment out of a meme on the internet than the Mona Lisa. Are we speaking subjectively <laughs> or objectively? No. <laughs> Do not pull me into this joke, please. <laughs> One of us, Mason. All right, uh, let's do our uh, plugs. Let's do plugs at the end here. Uh, who would like to plug their stuff? I could have worded that better. <laughs> uh, I can plug my stuff right now if you want. All right, plug, plug, plug oh, your no, butt. I was, I was making a dirty joke, but um. No, plug your butt. Go ahead. Right, right. Well, I mean, no, let, let me show you some plugs. Let me show you some plugs, right? <laughs> no, no. Right, okay, so <laughs> here, here we go. Here's a plug, and unlike American oh, plugs, gosh. it has three bits there. Do you see? Yeah, and this we one just, actually I, has I, what's I, called an earth Can we please? Can we please cut, keep this in less likely with the video? You. With the video. Captain Dylan holding up a plug. This charges my phone, so it's a very useful Dylan, plug. I want to show you some of my plugs. Hold on. Here. Oh, oh, yeah, Alright, so right here we have this one. This one's pretty nice. It only has two prongs. Oh, I like how small it is, actually. Yeah. Oh, it's quite useful. We have this. There it goes. We have this one. Charging the phone. Uh, the cord's a bit short. See, I like the other one because that one's a bit thick unnecessarily, whereas that one is just like it only yeah, American plugs are kind of small, uh, honestly, yeah, for the most part. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is just my headphone charger. So, who would like to promote their YouTube content? <laughs> so, so since it, everybody watching this is actually probably listened to most of the early main range, uh, on well, when's this going up, Joey? in like the next day or two okay well uh yeah then my video on the natural history of fear that i did with genesis of androzani uh will be going up and basically we really dive into the meaning of that story and just how brilliant and beautiful it is so i wrote an essay on that, that story sounds fucking hot i didn't even know that was happening wow that sounds gorgeous yeah, uh, yeah. give it a watch it's, it's a really good video i think what day is that going up uh, tomorrow Oh hell yeah! Oh, so that'll so, be Wednesday the nineteenth. So, so these may even be going up the same day. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, nice. All right. Uh, who'd like to go next? I mean, I don't. I don't have much going on right now. Like, I think my YouTube is in a bit of a weird place because I've not been making a lot of videos recently, and I'm I'm, I'm about to start college, so I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to keep making videos. But if, uh, if Mason, if, uh, from from an advice from someone who is going through college, keep making videos. All right. 
I'll, I'll, I'll do it for you. Thanks, Chef. <laughs> but I guess like, do it for me too. I managed to do it for you. To be fair, that's been that bad. That's fair. Yeah, well, yeah. You have you'll have more free time than you initially think. Okay. Especially because right. you're all online this semester. That okay? Yeah, that is true. Um, but I guess like if, if you want to follow me on Twitter, and I'm because I'm 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 insane on Twitter. Um, this then is, go. This, this is true. Yeah. Uh, then go follow me at the GD two fifty six. Uh, you, you probably it, it's a very hard name to remember. It'll probably be in the description. It will. Um, I, I, have a, I have a Twitter to recommend as well. Go on, search at Oswin Cole, and they're a very <laughs> very good account. I love all of their opinions on Clara. And, and oh, yes. I mean, if you don't want to, if, if you don't want to search her up yourself, you could just uh, you could just make any uh, hot take about Clara Oswald on Twitter, and she will crop up, and it never they will find you. She'll, she'll probably find this video. They will actually. tell you you are wrong. Yeah, yeah, somehow. <laughs> we said Clara's name three times. Negative Clara opinion at the end of like a two-hour video. <laughs> um, all right, so uh, let's see. Uh, Jacob, what do you have to plug? Um, uh, my YouTube channel, Ultimate Doctor Who Marathon. I just put up a video for the King's Demons. Yeah, it's not a very good story. Um, oh, and then we're doing, but. <laughs> Yeah, oh, you're doing the Chameleon good. Trilogy next, aren't you? I am. I am. Nice. I am. I'm, 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 I'm supposed to be starting it today, but, um, well, <laughs> ha, 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 I don't know if I'm going to be in the motion place for it. Uh, on my blog, which hopefully Joey will link, I've been reviewing the, getting back and reviewing the EDAs and PDAs. Um, I also did a review for Decalogue, and I am re starting a review of Stephen Erickson and Ian C. Eslamont's epic Malazan Book of the Fallen series, which is so long, like, and, and so dense. Um, I'm also doing uh, Percy Jackson reviews on there, so yeah, if you like books and fantasy, follow me there. Um, I also have a Twitter. I don't have a... I, 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 my Twitter's not nearly as fun as these other guys. That, that's true. That's true. But I mean, it's it's, it's cool. We, we, we drag you into discourse. It's great. Uh, and as far as uh, plugs for myself and this channel, uh, coming up later this month, we have a Warriors of the Deep commentary coming up with me and Brian. So uh, that, no, that, should, I'm be, glad I'm not that should be really fun. Um, starting on the first of next month, we begin releasing our next uh, fan-made audiobook read by the wonderful Marcus Cotton and edited by Brian Corrigan. Uh, the Romance of Crime uh, chapter one comes out the first of next month, and hopefully for the coming months, until we get a bit more further in the editing process, it'll be a chapter at the beginning of each month. So. That's what the uh, um, release schedule is going to be looking like for that. We should uh, also mention what's happening in September and then in November. Uh, Jake, Jake, Jacob, why would I not bring that up? It's literally less than a month away. Why would I not bring that up, Jacob? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I'm just... Look. <laughs> we're, <ca> we're fucking <laughs> casting Transit, uh, our next novel adaptation, uh, which is the first one of next year already. Uh, we're casting that next month. So lo lots of fun stuff to look out for there. Of course, it is one of the most vulgar books. We try to cut a lot of the language, but at some points you just, you can't resist it. So there are a couple fucks we in also there. Were there, there, there were like the quite a few bastards book. in this list of big Finnish audios we just listened to. That's the... the There's the three stories have the word bastard in. Nice. Um, Hell yeah. And, uh, <laughs> bastard, oh, one of, yeah. One bitch as well. Um, and uh fuck where was i oh yeah so tra casting transit next month uh the scales of injustice sneak peek also comes out next month so you get your first listen to that adapted by jacob and dylan here and uh, and and we're all in it right yeah we're yeah we are all in it oh no jacob's not in it but the rest yeah. of us are in it but jacob helped adapt it so yeah yes J jacob, jacob helped adapt and cast. security prediction no wait oh, shit, I said and it wrong. The <laughs>
Subscribers get more at securitykitchenproductions.com. As, as the King Monoid, I, I demand we, um, we, we, we cast Dylan out. Kitchen Productions Patreon. Um, Wait, you have a Patreon? No, I don't. I don't. <laughs> but I'll, I'll probably make one eventually. Who knows? Um, and let's see what else. Uh, next month, we're talking VNAs with uh, with Jacob and, and Mason here uh, on the Celestial Podcast. And we're doing a special video regarding VNAs, which should be really fun. Looking forward to that. And I think that's about it. All right, cool. Uh, that does it for plugs. Anything else to add on this? Read cool. Annihilation. Read Annihilation, yes, as, as Mason will never let you, you forget. It's, it's, it's only, what, 200 pages long, I think? Yeah. yeah w- would it be just as acceptable to just watch the film? Yes. Uh, yes. I say no because they're very different stories. Are yeah, they? they are. It's, well, it's, 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 I, I've never experienced either. So I, well, I, the I, thing I, is, uh, like, the first book is, is it's really, like, part of a trilogy, and it's meant to be, like, read as, the, as like, the whole trilogy. The movie is very much its own entity. Hmm. Does it does it directly adapt any one of the books, or does it try to do the whole trilogy? Or it's, it's kind of it, it's it's like the main plot. Of it the takes the pre- it takes the premise and several of the scenes in in Annihilation, but it's also it's it, kind okay. of okay. So kind of what Brian and I are doing with Cat People. Oh, hmm. Basically, Sorry. Okay. the director read the book once, and then he never read it again, and he made the movie based on his memory of reading the book. Oh, so so what Brian's doing with Sands of Time? Gotcha. That too, yes. <laughs> gotcha. I, mean, I, I don't know. I, I don't know how you guys are doing that. So maybe, probably. Yeah. Anyway, um, yeah. All right. So let's close this out. Jacob, would you like to uh, sing "Modern Major General" to close this out? I oh no, he is going to sing. <laughs> 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 <laughs>